Nosotros los latinos trabajamos duro. Si has tenido un largo y agotador día de trabajo, deja que Suerotil sea tu revitalizante compañero. Suerotil es rico en electrolitos, cloruro y zinc. Diseñado para ayudarte a reequilibrar tus niveles de hidratación y fortalecer tu sistema inmunológico. Prueba nuestra variedad explosiva de sabores, incluso el revolucionario Alpine Blue, libre de azúcar y calorías. Corre a tu tienda favorita y si no encuentras Suerotil, pídelo. Con Suerotil, vence la sed y conquista cada jornada. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arobay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com. Si no sabes que el Spicy McCrispy tiene Spicy Pepper Sauce en el pan de arriba y en el pan de abajo, ¿qué sabes tú de la vida? Para pa pa pa. Some say if you can make a baby, you can birth a baby. But why do so many of us fear the process of delivering a baby or get so nervous thinking about caring for our newborns? Knowledge is power, and today we want to empower all women, whether you're expecting or thinking of conceiving or done with babies, by learning more about the strengths we innately have. Today, we talk to Eila Cuenca, a holistic birth guide who reminds us that we're amazing. We read the books, we bought the things. We thought we were ready. And then life took our plans and changed them. I'm Karen, I'm Victoria's mommy, and I work in tech. And I'm Pamela. I have a baby boy named Ford, and I'm a journalist. And although we're both first-time working moms, we're actually pretty different. And that's totally okay, because we both agree that our most important work is raising our kids. We really need each other and can only get through this together. Welcome to Motherish Moments. All right. Hello. So welcome. Welcome. I am so excited. I always say that, but I really am really excited for today's episode. Um, we have Ayla Cuenca, who is a holistic birth guy. And just in full disclosure, I personally took classes with her virtually before giving birth to my child. And she completely changed my perspective and kind of just empowered me. And I just felt so ready. You have referenced your time and, and your conversations with her a lot so I'm super excited to to get to know her and to get to know you know more about what she has to share I personally never kind of explored any of that information and I now looking back like I would have exposed myself to more but I was just so focused on the baby and that was it and that was kind of not That's why we have motherish moments now. And that's why motherish is going to help you. <laughs> um, right. So why don't we start with our motherish moment of the week? Okay, you can start. Okay. My motherish moment of the week is that I am realizing that my daughter is a party girl. A part of me wants to like blame this on Juan because it's really hard to get her out of the house. Like she loves to be home and all the time I'm like, mama, vamos, vamos a salir, whatever. And she's like... No, quiero estar en mi casa. And I'm like, oh, Juan, she's just like you. She's such a homebody, whatever. But then when you get her out, she's kind of wild and crazy in, in a good way, in a fun way. Actually, Karen sent me a video last night of... <laughs> 
Victoria dancing and kind of bobbing her head to she was like I think you guys were like at Miami Beach we were right? yeah so we were leaving a restaurant in Miami Beach because I did my first like girls night out and I brought her along for like an early dinner and then as soon as we were leaving the restaurant we had to walk through an area where there was another restaurant and a lot of loud music playing very like uh, you know electronic music ultra festival type thing and she was just like mm -t, mm -t, mm -t. she's like dancing she's like bailen todos come on <laughs> dun, dun. and I'm like who is this child I mean you're two and she like loves it and That's she cute, though. wants to make everybody dance I think I've also mentioned this before I'm not sure but one of her favorite songs right now is Sin Pijama from Becky G <laughs> but it's because she doesn't want to wear pajamas so she thinks it's like the perfect song for her and she's like yeah Sin Pijama and I'm like oh god She's so, a fun stage though. Like fun yeah, age. no, it's super fun now. But then when she's like 16, like how's this really going to play out? You know, that's a little bit of one of my worries. Also because I very clearly remember my teenage years and everything I put my parents through. So I'm like, cool. Okay, brace yourself. That's my motherish moment. So my motherish moment of the week it has to do with work. So as many of us, I think, are realizing things are going, I guess, back to normal. Like we're back in the studio, um, our schedules, like just it's like a different ambiance and energy at work now. And I think there's, they're getting more demanding, right? So I was always used to before having Ford to just bring a lot of work home. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'll finish that script, you know, at home or I'm going to take a look at this video when I get home or... And now I'm realizing that the older the four guests, the more demanding he is. So when I am home, I'm home for him, yeah. right? It hit me last night when I had to finish a script and I just was unable to finish it because I was like with him the whole time. And then by the time I put him down, I was just exhausted. Yeah. And then this morning I woke up, you know, like college years when I used to wake up like two hours. When I was so tired at night, I don't know if you did this. I'd be like, you know what, I'm just going to sleep now and then I'll get up extra early, mm -hmm. finish the assignment in the morning. But it just doesn't work like that. So I woke up an hour earlier, took a shower, got ready. And then he decided to wake up a little bit earlier today. So it was just like one of those days where I realized, okay, this is a little tougher than I thought. I mean, it's doable, obviously, and I'll figure it out. But I'm just so used to having all this free time when I got home mm -mm. <laughs> um, that is non-existent now. Yeah. So my, um, that was my, my moment this week. Kind of like I have to adapt and kind of address a few things so that I'm able to just have so I'm I need to work you know even totally. when I'm not at work so I need to like figure it out my coworkers always kind of make fun of me because I always start sending messages like there's like a new wave of emails and messages from me in the night shift which is basically after Victoria goes to sleep for me it's the only way luckily I have a very flexible kind of work situation where as long as I get things done within the time that I need to get it done it's fine doesn't matter how I do it because every day I basically have to have a hard stop at six o'clock to start doing dinner bath time and all of those things and by the time I'm done it's nine o'clock and that's when I start my second shift of work yeah. I just think also people like you know my family and people around me I just think they assume like okay I'm live from because I'm, I'm a news anchor I'm live between five and six that's my live show but before the show and yeah, after the show no. there's so much behind there's everything so much and more. Mm -hmm. I'm also a little bit of a micromanager at work no way I know uh, <laughs> so I need to start delegating never, a little bit more but anyway so that was my mother's <laughs> in the week and now we're going to invite our guests to share her motherish moment of the week before we formally introduce her. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Well, okay, my motherish moment this week was when I had made plans to have a play date with my daughter and another mother. So my daughter's five and a half. And she said to me that morning, you know, I don't really want to go to that play date. And I'm like, well, 
I made the arrangements, there's a block of time, it's in the schedule, I've committed to this other adult. And she said, you know, Mama, I don't really get along with that little girl. (laughs) And I wanted to react and say like, no, you have to do this, we honor our commitments. And then I was like, oh, I would like to teach her that when she puts down a boundary, it's gonna be respected. Yeah. So, you know, that was a moment for me where I realized like how often am I encouraging her to do things that she might not want to do. And there's a fine line there between honoring commitments and routine, but also honoring what she feels right right about and good about and what she doesn't feel right and good about. So, so I canceled. (laughs) You know, that reminds me and I'll I'll share this short anecdote before we go into our guest um, formally. So, my friend Brenda has her son and, you know, started going to school, met a little girl. The little girl was like infatuated with Eden and she would wait for him outside. And, you know, the mom was like, you know, I'm so happy they're like best friends. Like, why don't we plan a play date? They're organized this play date, finally get it on the schedule. It's going to happen. She's like, you know, Lucy is just so excited. She hasn't been, you know, she wakes up every morning asking if it's play date yet. So finally she's in the car and she has Eden. Hey, Eden, are you excited? You know, today is the play date with Lucy. And he was like, who's Lucy? No. <laughs> like, had no idea. Like, it just shows you. Sometimes I think even boys or girls, like, even the way they think and process things are so different. Like, this little girl had made up, not made up, but, like, in her mind, they were, had this dear friendship. And, you know, she was so excited about it. And here the we have a little boy, Eden. Yeah, it was like, who are you? Like, like, I have no girl. idea. <laughs> Anyways, but she went through the play day because she just felt bad telling the mom that her son had no idea who her daughter was. But... Um, but I feel like this age is like yeah. so great to start teaching her also like her power, you know, to kind of choose and show her feelings. Today we have Elia Cuenca. She's a holistic birth guy. She has nearly a decade of experience coaching women and couples through conception, childbirth, postpartum, and parenting. She offers classes, birth planning sessions, nutritional guidance, and birth trauma processing sessions. She also offers doula training and placenta encapsulation training. She's based in Miami, but works with people all over the world. So welcome, Elia. I'm so excited to have you. Like I mentioned, I had the personal experience of getting to know you and kind of learning so much from you. I think I did a few virtual classes with you. This is the beginning of the pandemic. I think you just started doing virtual courses because I think they used to be in person before. We were all adapting to the new reality that ended up lasting a little bit longer than I think we all thought it was going to last. But the reason why I considered originally considered taking classes or courses with her was because I had a friend, she gave birth in February, I birthed in April, who had a home birth, a beautiful home birth. And with this pandemic, I was so scared. And at this point, they didn't know we were going to have anyone allowed in the hospital, right? There was so much back and forth. First, it was, yes, you can have one person. Then it was like, no, you can't have anyone. Then it was like, no, that's illegal. Anyway, so that fear, I think, drove me to kind of consider having a home birth. You know, I did not end up having a home birth, but I was really considering because I really wanted it to be a family affair. I wanted to have the support. You know, I was nervous. I'm a first time mom. At that point, my pregnancy had been extremely healthy. So I felt like I was, you know, a candidate, if you could say, for something like that. So I took a class and then I learned that it was just more than even a home birth. It was more about learning the strength of your body, of women, of what we're capable of doing on our own. Um, And I know a lot of people question it and kind of like, 
no, no, it's okay. It's not safe or, you know, that's not for me. But I just wanted to open up this conversation for women to kind of be reminded of how amazing we are. Because that's kind of like exactly how I felt after I had a conversation or I took these courses. I was like, oh my God, like even if I don't go through a home birth, I know that my body was made to do this. I don't know. It was just very empowering and enlightening to kind of hear all these things are so basic, but we're not aware of all these things. So thank you for joining us. Why don't we start with like, what's your approach? Like when you encounter a first time mom that's just nervous about the whole process. Well, ladies, thank you so much for having me here. I'm super excited about this conversation. A lot of first time moms approach me and it's usually something like, hey, I came across your work or someone told me about home birth. I don't know if I really want a home birth, but I'm just interested in kind of learning more about where the potential is to have a positive birth, you know? So we kind of start there. And what I initially try to glean from the conversation is, you know, how can we isolate the fear that might have you kind of on the fence, right? Because usually what keeps us on the fence is just being unsure about our options. And so we just try to isolate the fear a little bit, see if we can untie those knots. And we do that through education, right? So if you have a certain fear of something happening or something that your body can or can't do, I usually offer evidence-based information. I have like a whole library of studies, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, anecdotal evidence, but also a lot of medical studies. And so I just try to support that kind of unraveling with information. And then we try to establish where they want to go from there. And so I try to support them on their path, whether it's an empowered hospital birth, an empowered home birth, a birth center, you know, or if they just want to conceive, right? What you use this term a lot, empowered, you know, hospital birth or home birth. What is exactly an empowered birth? So empowered is, I believe it to be, um, and what it's meant for me through this whole process of teaching is the woman feels self-referential, right? She feels that her body and her intuition can guide her. And when she wants to make decisions about something, she can really feel comfortable tuning in to what feels good for her. And the resources around her are simply that. They are resources. No one is directing her in what her body can and can't do. And so it's an interesting overlap in birth because normally when we go to a doctor or a medical provider, right, we're going because there's something pathological that we're dealing with. We're going to them because we need answers about something we simply don't understand. Mm -hmm. But with birth, it's a normal symptom of getting pregnant. Birthing is the end result of becoming pregnant. It's not something that is an illness or a condition. So to be treated as such and to be treated like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what my body's doing. You know, that's not a great place to be when it comes to your birth and pregnancy. So empowered birth is simply isolating what you want and then educating yourself around it so that you're feeling like the decisions that are being made are yours. We discussed this, this with Karen and I, I learned so much from you, but I, I think a lot of the guilt, not a lot of it, but some of the guilt that I felt when I ended up having a C-section came from wanting a natural birth so bad and feeling like I was capable. I even discussed with my doctor already, which I want to do a V-back, right? Like my next birth, if I'm pregnant again, God willing, I want to try it for a natural birth because I was a candidate. Physically, I was ready. It was just like I waited too long for my water, whatever. It was like a lot of things. But I really, really felt really guilty about having a C-section because I had all this knowledge in my mind <laughs> telling me 
that I should have been a natural birth and for whatever reason you and I was not but you know help women um, who perhaps have been through c-sections or maybe are just considering one kind of like comfort themselves you know like saying like you know what it's okay if that was your case yeah so um, a lot of people do come to me after birth you know with that same exact dilemma so to speak I understand that it had to happen but I still feel like I wanted it to be different so what we do in those situations is we break down the chain of events so that it can be really clear why things had to happen that way for the safety and the well-being of both people involved, the mother and the baby. And so when, once that becomes really clear, again, with evidence and with a more compassionate, empathic perspective, which I feel like, you know, medical providers can be kind of dry. So if I can bring that empathy and that sympathy to the situation, and then at the end, we write a dream birth plan for what we might do differently next time, but with the understanding that things can always change, right? So right. Um, that's kind of how that's processed. And, you know, a lot of women feel like, well, I, you know, my baby didn't get the beneficial bacteria from the vaginal canal because of the C-section. And so now like, okay, well, what can we do to really support the baby's gut microbiome now in its early life? So it didn't get that bacteria then. How do we encourage that now mm -hmm. through diet and probiotics and other types of approaches? So there's always a solution. There's always a way. And um, that's what I love to do because we do get very attached to this idea yes. of like the perfect birth. Mm -hmm. And I think like, you know, that has a lot to do with like what we see on social media as well as like we see all of these photos of this like ecstatic birth and like very rarely do we see kind of like the raw realities of what a woman goes through psychologically and physically. It's just kind of breaking down that illusion as well as part of the healing process. One of the things that I was kind of always thinking in the back of my mind when I, I know friends that have had home births, I used to go to a birth center to actually do prenatal yoga. So I was a little bit exposed to some of this stuff. And due to honestly, lack of information and ignorance on my end, one of my biggest questions was like, well, what if something's wrong with the baby? What if you do a home birth and like, there's a problem with the baby or like, what if the baby like comes out and something's not okay and needs medical attention? How does that work in a home birth? I always, when people have those concerns, one of the main concerns is what if the baby's cord is wrapped around the neck and you're at home? So that's like a, it's different in every situation, yeah. but all medical providers should be able to find a solution for that manually, mm -hmm. right? And you also have to teach the person that babies receive oxygen through the umbilical cord. You know, they're not actually breathing through the nose and mouth. So for them to really be suffocated this way is not possible. But just kind of picking apart and putting facts into that equation is what helps people assuage those fears. Mm -hmm. And so I ask people to make a list of what their concerns are. You know, what could go wrong? Let's make a list of that. And then you would talk to a midwife and say, look, these are my concerns. What are your solutions in these situations? How often has this actually happened? Would I be safer in a hospital if this mm -hmm. happened? And so that's kind of like my response and my approach to it. People always say, you know, I have a doctor, but their C-section rate is like 60%. And I'm a little bit concerned about birthing with them because I don't want a C-section. And so then, you know, I say, well, why don't you look for a provider who has a lower C-section rate? And so sometimes that is going to the home birth world because midwives have a what I call a 0.08% C-section rate. Meaning in 20 years, a midwife here has maybe transferred eight women to a hospital. 
So that tells you that it's a very, very low emergency spectrum to be birthing in. Mm -hmm. I think education and gleaning information is the best way to understand that home birth is not innately dangerous. If a woman is high risk in her pregnancy, yeah, that could be dangerous because midwives are not trained and they're not working in the realm of high risk pregnancy. So isolate what your fears are, educate yourself to understand those fears and break them open, and then find a provider that you feel supports you in your journey. Aloha, mamá. ¿Dónde andas? <laughs> Seguro de compras. Tengo mucho que contarte. Hawaii es increíble. He estado de un lado a otro comunidad. Todos son súper talentosos. Ya reparamos otro helicóptero Blackhawk y oficialmente formamos nuestro equipo de fútbol. Para la próxima, te cuento cómo voy con el surf. Y me cuentas qué te pareció el podcast que te compartí. ¿Ok? Te quiero mucho. Be all you can be. Visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arupay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita Boost Mobile. Hay gente a la que le encanta el McCrispy y hay gente que nunca ha probado el McCrispy. Pero todavía no conocemos a nadie que lo haya probado y no le guste. Para pa pa pa. Oh, you did ask me for tips for someone who wants to do a C-section electively, and I didn't answer that. So in that situation, there's a lot of great education on having what I call a trauma-free C-section. And that would really just be looking into the practice, like best practices for that situation, right? Maybe you, there is something that you were diagnosed with that you have to have a C-section or for whatever reason you want one. There are ways to, you know, do a lot of things to enhance the health of the baby while you're pregnant. And then also, you know, create a scene in the operating room with music and with different things that bring you comfort creating a plan like having a vaginal swab so that when the baby's out, you can take bacteria from the vaginal canal of the mother and put it on the baby. And then thinking about what you want that post-operation scenario to look like, right? Do you want the baby next to you? Is that is that something they can provide? Do you want to do skin to skin while you're in recovery? So those are all things that you can plan out if this is, you know, it doesn't have to kind of surprise you and it doesn't have to be scary. It can actually be very beautiful. Hey guys, remember you can go back, listen to any past episode and write us a review. We are Motherish, M-O-T-H-E-R-I-S-H on Instagram or check us out at motherishmoments.com. Another thing that I was fascinated by when I spoke to you is all the things that our body provides us with, right? And that's how we ended up doing the placenta encapsulation because I was so fascinated and I had no idea. I didn't really know anything except for like the role, I guess, that the placenta plays what your child is in your womb, but I didn't know all the nutrients and everything else that it provided. But it just, aside from the placenta, just everything else, like our breasts or the whole thing was so fascinating to me to kind of be reminded and be just aware of all these things that our own bodies um, provide. For children it sounds pretty natural to me so yeah like so yeah. post birth what are all the things that our body i guess can continue to provide and ways that we can continue to 
help the well-being and nourishment of the baby. If you're able to breastfeed and if you are breastfeeding, for example, you know, that's a supply and demand system, which is pretty brilliant, you know. And so the more proximity you have with your baby, the more your breast milk you're going to produce, right? And as long as you're breastfeeding, usually you don't get your period back until you start weaning off or you start doing more sleeping schedules or things like that. So the body's intelligent in that way because it's like, it's not time to get pregnant again. <laughs> so you still have a baby to take care of. And as soon as you start giving your body cues that your baby's becoming more independent, your period comes back because it's like, okay, we're ready again. <laughs> and sometimes we don't even notice these things because it's not something that we learn about or that we really talk about. And so that's one of the beautiful things that the body does to really support that process. And something else that I love is that, you know, mothers who choose to co-sleep the baby doesn't self-regulate breathing right after birth, you know, for those first six months. So when we co-sleep, we stay in our own sleep cycles as a woman. Every time we move, the baby gets roused and they start learning our sleep cycles and they start self-regulating breathing through being in tune with our sleep cycle. You know, a lot of people say, wow, like co-sleeping, I thought that that was dangerous. That's why we didn't do it. But I have found that so many things are marketed towards new moms that's kind of like strip the opportunity for us to get in touch with our biology and our intuition. So we, we never even get these opportunities to explore these things. Now you're speaking my language. <laughs> Karen's a big co-sleeper. I love the whole concept of co-sleeping. I actually, again, I didn't have any of this information, even some of the things that you're saying now around like, why did my period come back after I was done breastfeeding? Oh, that makes perfect sense. Like I never put the logic behind it, but like, so I had a, a C-section and when I came home from the hospital, Pamela and I were just talking about this. It was like a, an instinct so strong where I'm like, I do not want to be away from my child and not for sleeping, not for anything. Like my husband and I looked at each other and I was like, she's going to stay right here with us. It's a physical need to be close to her even during sleep. And that's what kind of eventually led me to co-sleeping till today. <laughs> Two, years. Two years down the road still. Yeah, yeah. That's a very real instinct. You know, a lot of us, that comes in for a lot of us, but then, you know, people say, oh, you can't co-sleep. What about your crib? And what about this really nice crib that you got for your baby shower? And like, your baby should be independent. And so we kind of have all these voices kind of coming in. Yeah. And we're like, we're doubting our intuition. And so, so much of being an empowered individual, an empowered woman is being able to tap into what feels right for us. And it's different for every woman. And not allowing the social conditioning and the opinions of others to influence that. And it's hard because we do seek out support and advice from our friends and family. And so we're kind of like, I normally really trust this person and what they're saying, but right now this like doesn't necessarily feel right, but I don't want to be judged. And so we kind of go through all of these processes. And so I have found that so much of the empowerment, especially postpartum, because you both know People have a lot of advice and opinions when you're pregnant and then it seems to like exponentially multiply when you have the new baby and everyone wants to say, oh, I yep. did this and I did that and this is the best thing and my cousin did this. And so it's really a good time to take stock and inventory of what is useful, what do I feel aligned with, what is making the life of my child and my life more fluid and harmonious. <laughs> and that's great that they did that, but like what feels right to me? And it's a, it feels risky and kind of, you know, nerve wracking to go into that space. 
because it might be totally different than what everyone else in your life is doing. <laughs> yeah, I feel that 100%. That's exactly what happened to me. I mean, it took me months, I think, uh, until I was like, no, this is what I want to do and this is what feels good for me and this is what works behind closed doors in my home. I still always find it interesting how like, you tend to get maybe a little bit defensive when it comes to the cold sleeping. Like people are judging you, but you know what I mean? Like instead of like reacting to like, oh, this is what kind of felt right for me. This is what I I did. But I feel like people, because of this marketing about it being not, I guess, I don't know, mainstream is the word, but I guess not the the accepted or... Here, so like in my social circles or whatever, or like work circles, I don't know a single person who talks about it like openly versus like the difference is like for example with all my husband's family in Argentina or my family in Peru like I remember I took Victoria to Peru when I was like when she was four months and I felt so like welcome we get to the you. tribe and I was like oh my god yay because <laughs> I was so nervous I was like oh yeah no um you know whatever because here I think and I could be completely out of line here but I feel like here in the U.S. people love when you go back to work for example if you happen to have a maternity leave how are they sleeping and it's like who cares bro like what does it have to do with anything ask me how I'm doing how about that sorry yes here I got defensive <laughs> I know um but going back to this uh the placenta so yes. I really have don't think I've ever openly I think shared the fact that I you've said it once but like let's go in on that because I didn't even know that was a thing she was like talking about like so, the placenta in the cooler I'm like how How does this work? Why don't we start off with maybe you explaining the benefit of it? Because that's kind of why I decided to do it, right? When I heard it from Ellie and she's the one that actually did it for me. Yeah. So the placenta, like the baby, is made from the sperm of the father and the egg of the mother. In this world, in my realm, we really revere it as something that is important and should be also center stage um, as far as significance that element of it. But as far as nutrition goes postpartum, right? So in nature and in the wild, all mammals will eat their placenta immediately after the birth to replenish everything that they've lost through that whole marathon, through that whole process. That's one of the reasons because they can't hunt, they can't go out for food because they're postpartum. So this is the way that they store up reserves for however long, a week, a few days until they can kind of get out again and get food. The other reason they do it is to cover up their tracks so that predators cannot find them because they are in a very vulnerable position. So I always give that that reference because I want people to know this isn't just like some hippie thing that somebody made up. This is actually a biological response to birth. And so humans, we are mammals, um, you know, traditionally we have consumed our placenta in various ways in different cultures. It's very big in a lot of Asian cultures to incorporate it into the postpartum food for the few days after the mother has birthed in the United States and in Western Europe. In some places in Latin America, people I've been training now, they'll create capsules. So it's dehydrated um, at a very low temperature to retain the nutrition in the placenta. And then it's pulverized and it's put into a capsule and the mother takes it kind of like a multivitamin after the birth. And so what's inside of this is um, a high amount of iron, a high amount of stem cells, um, which as you're regenerating and healing after birth is very beneficial for the mother. Um, What's also in the capsules and in placenta, if you choose to have it raw or cook it in your food, are hormones. So after birth is the first time, the only time really in your life that you're actually going to have such a significant drop of hormones. All those pregnancy hormones and the birth hormones that came in to assist you, 
literally go away overnight. And so that's why we see a lot of immediate postpartum blues and sometimes lasting, lasting a little longer than just a few days or a week. It's just because the hormonal imbalance is so great and so quick. And so these capsules kind of wean you off of where you were over time. And so, you know, there are not a lot of studies on this. I think that this is one of those things that our body does that's amazing that would not benefit a lot of industries that have interest in what happens when you don't take the capsules, right? Multivitamin companies, pharmaceutical companies, you know, it's possible that this is not something we really want women to tap into for whatever reason. And so what I have is a lot of anecdotal evidence, meaning a lot of stories of a lot of people talking about how they didn't do it with their first, but they did it with their second birth and they felt such a huge difference, high energy, quicker healing time. I I mean, I'm so like, again, and people kept asking, do you see the difference? I go, listen, honestly, I was like, I don't know if it's a placebo effect or if it's psychological, but I didn't get any baby blues, maybe, you know, a little bit of untidy, normal stuff, like something happened to the baby, stuff like that. But I could, I think, easily said that I don't think I went through any of those hormonal, emotional changes. And again, I don't know if it's because I thought I was telling myself I'm taking these pills, so I think they're going to help with that. Also, when I discussed it with my OBGYN, with one of them from the practice, they were very hesitant. They're like, you know what, unless you truly trust a person who's doing the process, you don't want to risk it because you could get an infection. You don't know. Their fear was not what was in the placenta. Their fear was how the process was being done. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you're Mm going to encapsulate, it has to be someone that you trust. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, the process is, I had told... um, Whenever you're done birthing or if you have a C-section or whatever it is, you have to have someone place a placenta in a cooler, I guess. I didn't even, I mean, I wasn't aware of what. In a Yeti. In, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they kind of take it out. And then Elia met them at the lobby of the hospital and she picked up the placenta. How do people consume it raw? I'm so curious. So you take a piece of it. So if you're going to encapsulate it, you set aside most of it for the encapsulation, but then you can take a small piece of it. You could put it in grain alcohol and create a tincture, like a homeopathic tincture, or you can take a piece of it and you can put it into a smoothie. And people think, oh my gosh, you know, I don't know, but... (laughs) Everyone that I've made them for says they don't taste anything. I have great recipes for masking flavors, and so people will do it immediately after the birth. I kind of like the the process of kind of how it works is you take, I think, six every day for the first like week or two weeks, and then you start like uh, decreasing the amount of pills that you take. But I kind of enjoyed... I was getting sad when it was ending, like towards the end of just like, oh my God, that's it. This is like... I'm almost done with this because it was a reminder. I mean, I still have the empty jar in my bathroom because it's just, and I'm not a hoarder at all. I don't tend to get attached. But for me, it means so much just to have that jar with like what used to be my placenta pills. I'm saying whether you're, you know, considering it with a smoothie or the one, I kind of liked having it for a long time. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Instead of just sipping it up. And and that's why some of the women make the tinctures because that lasts your whole life. It's like having a, a bottle of an alcohol on the shelf, right? It never goes bad. So this alcoholic tincture from the placenta, something you can take like whenever you have menstrual cramps or when you go into menopause or when you're feeling emotional, you know, that's what women take it for. And so they, they're like, I just want to have it forever. <laughs> so I think wow. a lot of women share that sentiment with you. All I know is that I really felt the drop, like, I mean, Mm. dramatically. So, like, I think that Mm -hmm. if I were to have a child again, 
I just feel like it could do more good than, I mean, Pamela knows I never want to experience like the kind of like lows that I felt afterwards. Especially because she has such a good pregnancy, right? You yeah, had such a yeah. good high. Like, <laughs> so, she felt beautiful. Right, she felt healthy. Right. It was from one extreme to the other. Yeah. My pregnancy was the best I've ever felt in my life. So I know that's not super common and some people don't have that experience. So I'm always mindful of that. But like, I literally look back at the photos with such nostalgia because I'm like, I never felt more beautiful. My skin never looked better. My hair never looked better. I, I was like, watch out, everyone. I'm pregnant. I'm the queen here. Like, totally. It was yeah. great. And then after the birth, it was after just so birth. dramatically different. And you see it in the photos and videos. Over the course of a few months, I just, everything, it's almost like, it's kind of like a sad, like, deterioration of all of that and it took you know a long time to get back to a, a good place yeah we don't mm. have a lot of um, postpartum resources in place as many as we should mm, yeah we so many to support pregnant women yeah in comparison to how many there are how many resources there are to support the postpartum period mm -hmm. which is just as important for mental and physical health yep 100%. Wow. Well, this was a very enlightening conversation. I know. I could, I could talk to you all day. And again, because you always combine this evidence with kind of like nature. I right? love the historical stuff. That to me is like the most... I remember Victoria was like six months and we went to the museum. What is this? Science Museum. The Frost. the Frost. And they had an exhibit that was all about like nature and history or whatever. And there was a teeny tiny little section that talked about tribes and mothers when we were, you know, in tribes more commonly than not. And it talked about breastfeeding. It talked about all of these different things. And I was like, oh, wow. I know. Like, Which you do a lot of that too. Yeah. Like she does a lot of visuals and photographs and kind of just puts it in perspective and this whole tribe and getting the support system. I also learned that from Elia because she was, I'm telling you, it was very awakening for me to kind of just visually see it. Um, and also hear it, right? Because yeah. maybe it's in your instinct, but then once you hear this explanation, it kind of just makes more sense and it gives you the sense of peace and saying, you know what, I wasn't wrong. I do want to do it like this because it, it just feels mm -hmm. right. Thank you so much for sharing all your yeah. knowledge with us. Of course, of course. Thank you so much for having me. And I loved hearing about your both of your experiences. Yeah, it's just so important for so many women everywhere. Thank you. And you're also always connected on your Instagram, right? Yes, yeah. I'm on Instagram and Telegram. I contribute to both. There's a lot of free birth, parenting, conception, education on there. So if a class doesn't feel right for you, you can always glean a lot of information from the content that's on there. We'll be sure to share that with our motherish community. So, thank yeah, you so thank much. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. Have a beautiful day. Bye. Aloha, mamá. ¿Dónde andas? <laughs> Seguro de compras. Tengo mucho que contarte. Hawaii es increíble. He estado de un lado a otro comunidad. Todos son súper talentosos. Ya reparamos otro helicóptero Blackhawk y oficialmente formamos nuestro equipo de fútbol. Para la próxima, te cuento cómo voy con el surf y me cuentas qué te pareció el podcast que te compartí. ¿Ok? Te quiero mucho. Be all you can be. Visitando goarmy.com diagonal español. 
Boost Mobile tiene una gran oferta para que aproveches tu reembolso de impuestos al máximo y te mantengas conectado. Al cambiarte a Boost, recibe un 50% de descuento en tu primer mes de datos ilimitados. O, con un plan ilimitado de 40 dólares, llévate un Samsung Galaxy A15 5G por $39.99. Obtén los mejores teléfonos en las redes 5G más grandes del país. Con Boost Mobile, cambiarse es fácil. Solo visita BoostMobile.com. Boost Mobile, sin miedo al éxito. Para clientes nuevos y solamente en línea, requiere Arobay. 50% de descuento en el primer mes requiere un plan de 25 dólares al mes. Aplican otras restricciones. Visita BoostMobile.com para detalles. Si no sabes que el Spicy McCrispy tiene Spicy Pepper Sauce en el pan de arriba y en el pan de abajo, ¿qué sabes tú de la vida? Para, pa, pa, pa. 